Hello and welcome to episode two of Planet Action Now. Today we are so lucky to have with us Nancy Falstich, the Executive Director of Regeneración Pajaro Valley Climate Action. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Definitely. First, could you give us some background on yourself and how you became the Executive Director of Regeneración Pajaro Valley Climate Action back when it was started in, in 2016, is that correct? Sure, that was our founding year. Um, but to go a little further back, I have a background in early childhood education. I was a preschool teacher and kindergarten teacher for many years in Santa Cruz County, mostly in Watsonville, um, in bilingual classrooms. Um, and then I had a baby who was born in 2008. And it was when she was a few years old that I feel like I really um, got it and kind of made the connection to being a parent of somebody who could potentially be alive in 2100, which is the year that scientists, you know, kept pointing towards, you know, if we don't make changes by 2100, this is what's going to happen. or This is the worst that could happen, et cetera. Um, wow. And so I decided to just start organizing locally here where I was living in the Pajaro Valley um, to help people become aware of the magnitude of the problem of climate change and to start taking action. Um, and so I just started with some friends, holding rallies, showing movies, and trying to do things when there were calls for action from organizations such as 350.org. Some of my inspiration for starting action was going to the Do the Math Tour with Bill McKibben um, back in 20. I believe it was the fall of 2012. Wow. Um, so again, we started with a, a small network of people getting out there, building an email list, um, talking with people in the community, and we were really well received. It wasn't until 2016 when, after talking with people in different organizations, we decided to actually build a new organization. It seemed like existing Existing climate organizations weren't really involving people in the Pajaro Valley and especially weren't involving a population that was really representative of the demographics of the Pajaro Valley and people in organizations really working for social change and social justice were mostly focused on today and on the, the extreme problems people are facing sort of right now, but weren't necessarily making the connection to what's going to happen to people in this population long term with climate change. So, um, so again, it just seemed like there was a gap in terms of building an organization that's going to work for a resilient community that's that's addressing social justice issues um, in the middle of a fight to protect life for everybody um, long term. Wow, that's that's awesome. And for the listeners that don't know, uh, 350.org is an organization to help try to keep the carbon in the at atmosphere below 350 parts per million. Like I said, a uh, great organization. So that's that's awesome. What exactly are you hoping to do in the community? What have you done since 2016 and before, it sounds like? Sure. Um, so uh, when we put together the organization, we had a small founding group that included a uh, high school student who's now at UC Berkeley, a woman who's now the vice mayor of Watsonville, that's Rebecca Garcia, um, and myself and a few other friends. Um, and we developed a big vision. We have a vision of a community that's achieved climate justice so that all people in the Pajaro Valley can thrive in harmony with the natural world. So that's what we're aiming for. You know, we want to, we want everybody to be 
to have enough to live on. We want everybody to be able to live in a way that's not harmful to the environment or harmful to other people. And so we so we sort of have that as a vision and then we're working towards that by um, first of all, helping people understand the actual situation, the, the enormity of the problem, what is actually happening with climate change and how it's affecting us, um, particularly right there in the Pajaro Valley. And then we provide ideas for actions. We give, we have um, tools for what individuals can do. We have ideas for how the community can act together. Um, and through all of that, we're again advocating for social justice and for an end to the to oppressions that have gotten in the way of people both working together and that have also kept people disproportionately impacted by climate, disproportionately affected by climate impacts. Wow, what great ideals to stand for. Yeah, I would say a project Thank you. holds a lot of those ideals dear as well. One thing- Yeah, I would... and I should say that um, from, the, from the beginning, um, we have really made a particular um, particularly with intention, have worked with other partners. You know, we're still a tiny grassroots organization, but we feel like our message can get out much further and we can have a much broader impact on the community by working with people in other agencies and organizations. Um, and so part of what we do is we help them connect their mission and their work with the climate crisis. You know, how is the population they serve going to be affected over time with what's happening with the shifting climate? Um, and yeah. we, again, employ them to pass out our information sheets and work on events together and partner on grants together and things like that. Great. Are there any um, notable, notable organizations that you think our listeners should know about? Or? Um, yes, the, the Park Royal Valley has really a rich um, array of both nonprofits and agencies working inside you know, larger groups such as the United Way, has a group that's called Jovenes Sanos, um, which works mo mostly with high school students on food justice issues and access to um, safe biking and walking routes, for example. And Community Bridges um, has a new program where they have installed um, several charging stations, electric vehicle charging stations, and they've started a program where their lift line services service vans some of them are electric vans and so they're really supporting infrastructure and access to electric vehicles in the Pajaro Valley. Um, Community Action Board is a wonderful anti-poverty organization with a large immigration what do they call it? They, have, they have a thriving immigrants initiative and an immigration um, rights project with so access to supporting people around you know that the really challenging circumstances based on the federal administration's policies around immigration these days. Um, so those are just a few examples. Watsonville Wetlands Watch is an environmental organization really focused on preserving and protecting the wetlands and they are increasingly sharing information about long-term effects of climate change and we've partnered them with them on an urban greening grant that they secured to plant a number of trees in the Pajaro Valley also together with the city of Watsonville. Amazing. So there's more but that's a few examples. Apples. So yeah, many. That's, that's great. One thing that we really found interesting was your grassroots survey done in 2017 to 2018, where 324 people were surveyed asking specific questions about the environmental effects of climate change on them as individuals. Is it possible to give us an overview of the results of that survey and what surprised you and your team the most? 
Sure, the survey uh, turned out to be a really wonderful project and we embarked upon it um, as we were thinking like, well, what should we do to address climate change? You know, you could work on transportation, you could work on energy issues or food or um, just be a, an educational you know, focused organization. There's just so many ways to approach an issue that is really ultimately going to affect all human existence. Um, so what we thought we should do is talk to more people and involve um, the perspectives and see what kinds of initiatives more people besides our group um, would support. Um, so we embarked on this survey. We ended up surveying, surveying 324 people, um, quite a few of those in person and a smaller number uh, were through an online version of the survey. And um, one of the things we learned just first in terms of demographics um, were that most people participating in our survey had never participated in any kind of public survey. So we felt like that was a really good indication that we're reaching the general population and we're reaching people who whose voice is typically not heard and whose perspective oh, is not typically included. Um, and overall, the demographics really were a good match for our community. Um, our Watsonville, the city of Watsonville is approximately 80% Latino, and that was a pretty good match for our ethnicity um, results in the survey. Um, the one group that was not represented was young people under 18 because we would have had to secure parent permission to Consent. participate in the survey, and that seemed like a barrier that would be challenging to overcome in yeah, terms of that. And we really want to work with young people and want to know what young people think should happen because, as you mentioned um, previously with me, um, young people are going to be disproportionately affected by this issue because they're going to live longer with the consequences of whatever happens or doesn't happen in terms of um, meeting the challenge of, of climate change. Was the age um, demographic, so, um, what was mm -hmm. kind of the age demographic for that? Was it more leaning towards um, teens and 20s or...? Um, yeah, so we surveyed people between 18 and I think up into the 70s, and um, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but definitely a, a sizable percentage was like in the 18 to 34-year-old age group. Wow, awesome. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at least a third and maybe higher than that, but I'm sorry, I don't have that figure in front of me. Yeah, right was there, uh, um, was there mm -hmm. uh, an action that you found that you and your team found most important to address first? Yeah, um, just in terms of survey results, we one of the things that stood out was that different issues are affecting groups differently and disproportionately. So, for example, um, people experiencing extreme heat at the workplace, agricultural workers were much more likely to report that they themselves or people that they knew or work with um, were experiencing serious effects from heat, such as fainting or needing to go to the hospital, you know, dehydration, things like that. Um, so we're living in an area where on any given day, people can be affected dis disproportionately. Um, the number one initiative that was favored um, across the board, um, both as a way of reducing pollution and or greenhouse gas emissions, was increasing access to local organic agriculture. Um, wow. There's strong desire to for people to be able to eat locally produced organic foods. And uh, there's a surprising challenge for that for a lot of people in the population. You know, most of the Mexican grocery stores don't carry anything, much of anything that's an organic product. And then the, the cost of organic products 
can certainly be a prohibiting factor as well. And so it's it's a great irony that our area produces a lot of food, but food that is produced locally, um, including conventionally grown produce, but as well as organic produce, is not really readily available to the population. Geez, what is uh, Regeneración Pajaro Valley Climate Action? What are some of the steps that they're doing to address that? One thing that we developed this year was a new brochure on the personal health benefits as well as the planetary benefits or sort of benefit to the global population of people adopting a plant-rich diet, um, so reducing animal-based foods and eating more plant-based foods. And this is a brochure that we're going to help distribute through a number of community partners, like I mentioned, Jovenes Sanos, the Pajaro Valley Health Trust, Community Bridges, and other organizations. Santa Cruz County and Monterey County Public Health are interested in getting that out. Health clinics are interested in it because this kind of diet is both good for preventing cancer, preventing diabetes, preventing heart disease, and it's also a benefit for reducing water use and reducing um, carbon emissions overall and methane emissions overall. So that's one example of um, something that we're working on. You know, we are pretty small, we have limited funds, so we can't, I don't know, we can't go out and talk with all the farmers about switching over to, you know, from conventional to organic, or we, we can't work with all the grocery stores to you know, change what's being offered in the grocery stores. But by providing information, we're hoping that that can start to make an impact. Yeah, definitely. Do you plan on doing any additional surveys in the future? Or is there anything that you would do differently in regards to the survey process? Yeah, we certainly learned a lot in the survey process. Um, You know, one little thing is um, it always seems like you get, you know, 90% of the way through something and then that last 10% is really hard to finalize and so we we found with like translating the survey we didn't have enough time between when we felt like we really needed to get out and start implementing the survey from when we had finalized the English version and so we did find that the language was wasn't totally accessible um, with the, the, the way that we had translated it. And so we needed to kind of adapt it as we as we went. So that was one thing that we learned. Um, in terms of additional surveys, we are actually developing what's probably going to be a much smaller scale survey, but um, it is a survey of farm owners. We're launching a heat stress awareness and prevention campaign, and we do want to engage with farm owners about how they're experiencing change in weather patterns, less chill in the wintertime, some heat spikes, um, some unpredictability of when the rains come, things like that. So are they changing what they plant or when they plant it? You know, what is their five-year or 20-year plan for sustainability of their business? Are they aware of some of the um, resources that are available through the state to support farmers, um, for instance, to get solar power on their farm um, or things like that. So we're in the process of developing that and would like to do a small number of in-person surveys and perhaps a larger number of a shorter online version. Great, I know you were kind of talking about farmers. Some extra ways that I know possibly to assist them. Have you talked to them about different carbon saving technology such as uh, no-till farming or carbon sequestration techniques? or There will be a couple of items in the survey about what their perspective is in terms of how beneficial that might be for you know, reducing climate change and supporting their operations. So 
this would be, I, I guess the point that we're at is more like doing kind of a baseline of what our farmers already aware of and thinking about would be beneficial. How is Regeneración Pajaro Valley Climate Action funded? Yeah, so um, so we're still quite small. We've been a predominantly volunteer-run organization since inception, but we have a couple of part-time positions that add up to not not quite one full-time person at this point. But we've been fortunate to receive a combination of grants from local foundations and two different awards from the California Environmental Protection Agency. They have a small environmental justice grant program. Um, that's what's allowing us to launch this heat stress awareness and prevention campaign. Um, and in addition to that, we've had a you know, large number of individual donors um, who've been generous and you know, very interested in supporting our vision. And then we've also had some uh, small business owners that have provided some corporate philanthropic support. And awesome. I think that what you can see is, you know, it seems like every day there's increasing awareness about the severity of the situation with climate change and that people are really waking up to the fact that the cost of, you know, doing nothing, the cost of runaway climate change will really be far, far greater than taking action to prevent it. Um, whether that action is educating people or transitioning to all renewable energy, et cetera, and really a big Part of what caused the problem to begin with with climate change has been centuries of pol policies of colonizing countries, you know, stealing the resources, stealing people, stealing the labor of people, um, yeah. and putting all of that wealth into the hands of a small number of people who then lead a lifestyle that's you know, proving to be very destructive for everybody in the world. Um, so again, you know, we're seeing that there's people interested in shifting where the money is and investing it into low-income communities and communities of color and backing the leadership of indigenous people who have in you know, many, many places around the world been stewards of the land you know, since, since there, there have been people on the land. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's so amazing. How many employees do you have there at at Nacion then? Yeah, so in terms of paid employees, right now we or, have two or even volunteer paid employees, and then um, we do have a large volunteer pool. You know, some people will turn out for an event or two a year, and um, some people uh, volunteer you know, weekly or monthly in different ways. So we've had people, you know, help us write grants and we have an advisory board that provides some guidance and helps us network with um, other organizations and individuals in the community. And we have people who help us table when we um, are, you know, bring our information to a resource fair or an event. And we have a um, number of people who we are, are calling ambassadors that take our kind of uh, new climate change infographic that explains you know, what the problem is of climate change, what how it's been caused and what people can do individually and as a community to respond. And so we ask those people to just simply start the conversation about climate change with family members, with friends, with people at work, you know, kind of incorporate it into their regular life. Um, and we're very appreciative of that. Another exciting project that we've launched recently, we were approached by a, 
a videographer in Watsonville who's um, helping produce a series of short videos that we're going to get out on through social media. Um, and the first one was produced and just went live a couple weeks ago, and it's already been seen a lot. It's starting to be shown um, at university classes and um, schools and at other meetings, and it's available on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram. It's called Think About Us, and it features youth of the Pajaro Valley. That's great. And in, in the bottom of our podcast, we're hoping to put all of the different links to all the things that she just talked about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's crazy. How do you volunteer for a lot of these programs? Um, we uh, can be approached you know, through email, through our website, um, call our office phone. Um, we have a little intake survey for volunteers um, to get a baseline of thinking about climate change. And then we'll have a little questionnaire about ways that somebody might want to be involved. We really prioritize um, utilizing people who are representative of our community, especially to do, you know, kind of the upfront leadership and um, representation of us. And we welcome um, everybody's support, you know, as donors, as behind the scenes help. So, I, you know, we really believe that there's a role for everybody in addressing the climate crisis and that um, this is really a good time for people to think about prioritizing this because what happens or doesn't happen really in the next few years could well determine the outcomes for humanity for thousands of years. So, you know, people may have sort of set their life plans and thought, you know, this is what I want to do, but it's really a good time to rethink, hmm, you know, could I be one of the people, you know, the millions of people that are stepping up around the world to really prioritize this and um, and really make a significant difference? Well said. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really what we're hoping to try to do with uh, the Planet Action Now podcast, too. So it's great to have yeah, you on. That's wonderful. What are some of the future projects or goals of Regeneración Pajaro Valley Climate Action? Right. So I mentioned the farm owner survey that's underway. So over the next... Um, about 16 months, we'll be carrying out that survey, analyzing results um, in partnership with a professor at Cal State University, Monterey Bay, and her students. And we are also going to be developing direct outreach campaign to farm workers, where we'll produce a new handout that shows ways that a person can um, help take care of their health and prevent heat stroke. Um, and then we want to follow that up later in 2020 with a community forum where we bring together different community stakeholders from the agricultural world and from city council and other city agencies and other nonprofit organizations and healthcare to talk about the effects of um, rising temperatures in the Pajaro Valley and um, how are we, we going to address this as a community. So that's the main um, body of work that we're doing over the next period of time. And then we'll continue our general outreach, tabling and uh, writing our email newsletter, things like that. It's obvious you guys have accomplished a lot in in the three years and and even before that. But is there a certain like accomplishment that you feel did had the greatest impact or you're the most proud of? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly the survey that we carried out was was really ambitious and is having you know really some wonderful impact. Um, other groups are able to use the data that we collected, you know, so it's helpful for other groups as they are writing proposals for funding. Um, it's getting us attention on the state level. 
um, which is really wonderful um, being you know, such a tiny grassroots group. So I've actually been invited in a couple of weeks to attend a symposium on climate change research, which is being held by the California Strategic Growth Council. Um, wow. And their intent is to bring together researchers and people from community-based organizations around California and um, really talk about how do we make sure that um, all populations within California are being thought about as research is being conducted and as policies are being made going forward. Wow, that's that's amazing. You looks like it's really taking off after if there if you could offer up a, a call to action for our listeners, uh, what would you think would be the most important thing that they could take away to create change in their own lives? Right. You know, it's a really good question. What is the key action? So I'll, I'll probably share a few ideas here because it's hard to pinpoint um, just one. Um, I do think that becoming fully aware of the actual reality is crucial because if people don't know, it's going to be you know, pretty impossible to take effective action in response. And so for people to, you know, think about, well, what is blocking me from actually turning and facing this? Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a huge issue. It's discouraging and kind of depressing to look at the state of the environment. Um, but we do feel that, you know, as people turn and face it, especially if they don't do it alone, especially in the company of other people that they care about um, and that also care about the issue, what we find is that people actually gain hope and um, gain inspiration to turn and do something. Um, so again, I think becoming fully aware of the reality and recognizing that each one of us is very significant, you know, more significant than we realize to have a positive effect is is a great starting place. You know, a lot of people there's a lot of resources out there about you know what can an individual do to reduce their own carbon footprint. Um, I think that's all really useful to look at because it's like if we can't get a handle on stopping you know the use of fossil fuels in our personal life by using cars less or eating less products that are wrapped in plastic and things like that. Like how on earth are we going to transform the entire, you know, society to get off of fossil fuels? So I so I think it's well worth for individuals to wrestle with what does it mean to give up some comfort, you know, to get away from the convenience of just jumping in a car or just, you know, buying prepackaged foods that's all wrapped up in, in plastic, um, for example. Um, directing funds is really, really important. Um, I read an article recently, which I thought was really interesting, which, you know, basically had the, the viewpoint that the same approximate 10% of the population that was going around colonizing and enslaving people and stealing land, things like that over the last 500 years is roughly the same 10% of the people that owns most of the wealth now. I mean, it's kind of no surprise. It's like that's where the wealth came from. Yeah. But what really needs to happen is wealth needs to be turned back over to the 90% of the population that hasn't had, you know, most of those people have not had even enough to live on and wow. invest in communities and invest in um, building the infrastructure for renewable power and transportation systems that will bring people around without. It's, it's like, we're not gonna solve this problem by just becoming green consumers at, at a you know, high level. Um, that's not gonna solve the problem with climate change. Wow. So to really bring awareness and then also to help distribute um, the action that's being done, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so again, you know, going back to an action, I think a key action is, you know, thinking about each person, thinking about their individual resources. Do I have more than I need? If I have more than I need, you know, what organizations, what groups can I put that money into? There's, there's a local um, project called Protect Juristock, um, which is being run by the Amamutsun Tribal Band, and they're trying very hard to uh, prevent a piece of land that's sacred land to be developed as a quarry. And this is in part of Santa Cruz County, part of Sa- uh, Santa Clara County, and I believe San Benito County. So, you know, investing in an organization like that is great. Investing in a climate action organization like Rejeneración, who's you know, determined to um, amass resources and help educate our community is, is a great thing to do. Yeah, that's really powerful and awesome. Nancy, thanks so much for coming on our show. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you thank so much. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, and I look forward to you know ripple effects yeah. from all of these conversations. You've given us so many good resources, and I think hopefully our listeners will go check you and all of those resources out. So, Thank you. That was Nancy Falstich, the Executive Director of Regeneración Pájaro Valley Climate Action. Please visit our show notes to learn more about this amazing organization. If you are interested in other podcasts that we are doing or have suggestions of podcasts you would like to hear, please visit our website at planetactionnow.org. Please remember to take action now on climate change and thank you for listening.